Project A podcast. Hello and welcome everyone to the new episode of the Project A podcast. My name is Andrea and I lead the talent acquisition team at Project A. Today I have the honor um, of welcoming two guests, Florian Heinemann, managing partner, and Rainer Berak, operating partner of Project A Ventures. Welcome, Flo. Welcome, Rainer. Yeah, thanks for the invitation. Yeah, thank you very much for your time and for being here today. I'm looking very much forward about, uh, to our talk. As I introduced myself, I'm Andrea and my team and I, we are recruiting for Project A internally, but mainly we support our ventures in building and scaling their teams. This, um, let's say, operational support is quite common for us. As an operational VC, on one side, we invest in the digital products and companies, and on the other side, we support them operationally in certain areas. And today's career session about generalist versus specialist, how to start your career, I would like to talk to my guests about different career paths and the expectations of the talents. But before we start, it would be great if you both, both could tell us a little bit about you. Flo, how did you become managing partner and what is your position about? Yeah, it was, it was probably a little bit um, yeah, special because in 1999, when I started my career, the internet craziness first wave was in full swing. And so with 23, right out of university, I started a startup with uh, four other co-founders. So we're team of five and I, I was a founder and, and, and managing director. So we had five managing directors, way too many. But anyway, it, it worked out quite fine. But I was the marketing uh, responsible, basically managing director. It sounds glamorous, but in fact, we had just had two people in the marketing team, a young lady and me. Um, and so I was very operational in, in running um, uh, basically our uh, marketing accounts back then, also doing the tracking work um, uh, for yeah, almost three years. And, and then um, I mean, the marketing team increased, I think, to two or three people, but I still stayed uh, very operational, um, uh, then went back to university, uh, uh, started um, uh, consulting in, in the digital sphere with uh, companies, became a managing director of Rocket Internet um, and, and an angel investor uh, quite heavily in 2006. So I did almost 100 uh, angel investments, uh, was then a managing director at Rocket Internet for four and a half years, and then started um, uh, Project A together with uh, three other partners. But I always maintained kind of, uh, I mean, today it's not that specialized anymore, but uh, through a long um, a part, uh, um, uh, like a large part of my career, I uh, very much stayed um, a specialist uh, uh, in part, um, and and also uh, always try to keep up with kind of specialist knowledge in the in the marketing, CRM, and and business intelligence field, and that has always helped me a lot um, in in order to also, I think, at least become a better investor. Awesome. Thanks, Flo. And Rainer, how does it look like being an operating partner at Project A and how did you get there? So, so maybe first one or two words on what that actually means. So Project A as being um, the operational VC, we, our, our work is a little bit split into the VC business and then the operational support that you mentioned already. And, and, and it's my job uh, to look after the operational support that we deliver to our, to our, to our startups. Um, that's, that's my main focus. Um, hence uh, the role operating partner. Um, how I got here, I, I remember when I, when I started my, my career, uh, my, my first real job was uh, at the consultancy Accenture. And I remember one of the first conversations that I had with one of my peers back then. And it was, uh, I think I said something. So, so we were onboarded and we learned that we actually have to learn a lot of stuff. At Accenture back then when you started, you had to learn basically every function like 
how how does HR work, how but also like the fundamentals of marketing. You had to actually go through a two weeks Java coding workshop, etc. And and I went through all that and I just thought, geez, um, one day when I will have the, the the honor, if I'm lucky enough to to be a boss, I will probably hopefully be good at that. But the path to get there that that will be that will be a really tough one. Um, and I remember my colleagues were laughing. They, they said, "Yeah, that, that, that's quite normal." And, and we all agreed. You you just have to get through that, and you have to do that. And I think I learned all the way. Sometimes it was fun. Sometimes the hard way. You have to learn real stuff, and you have to learn really to do things before you can be a good generalist, and then uh, yeah, like lead teams, lead companies, etc. So that was a. That, that was a tough but very joyful time. Um, yeah, and I think that that laid the foundation for everything that, that came after. And a lot of methodological knowledge was always attached to, to actual, often specialized things. Um, and, and, and only this way it was, was really helpful. Um, and, and this is, I think, how I sooner or later uh, came here to Project A and, and had the role that I have today. Awesome. Thanks. Very impressive career path. Um, I'm very happy to have actually the perfect dialogue partner here to talk about how experiences as a specialist can impact your career in order to become maybe the next COO or investment principal or a great founder. So let's jump, just jump right in. Why would I like to discuss this topic with you today? Well, we realized in recent years that um, positions usually requiring a generalist skill set increasingly, well, let's say, require a more and more specialist background in certain fields. We noticed, for example, by hiring it for management or investment roles, that operational experience for tech, from tech, BI, marketing or product, as part of the profile, determines the well, recruiting selection and the decision at the end. To give two concrete examples, two of our latest hires, one is the investment manager, or investment principal, actually, to say so, with a background as a software engineer or a co-founder for one of our e-commerce portfolio companies with operational experience in online marketing, precisely in content and SEO marketing. And that is exactly why I would like to examine a bit with you this topic today. What is your opinion, opinion Flo and, uh, and Rainer? Is it true that increasing expertise is required to, let's say, a bit more generalist roles? I would I would argue I think it very much depends on uh, the personality also um, uh, of of a person that wants to pursue the career. So uh, what do I mean by that? Um, I, I can just speak for for me as a, as a person and and for me it has uh, it has always helped to have a base of knowledge that I can build on. Yeah, it has helped me to like feel more secure in uh, you know situations that I've been put into where where I always said okay. Um, um, I'm, I'm always pretty certain that I can contribute to the company and to the success of the company in a meaningful way through the marketing and, and BI knowledge that I built over time. And that, and that made me feel more comfortable. And that's why I think I can also contribute more freely to, to basically the, the situation in the company. Um, and also, just specifically for me, I mean, I do, an, uh, I, I'm an investor basically, I have an investor role also. Um, and, uh, and, and every investor has to develop a certain lens on, on companies. Yeah? So a specific perspective of how you look at things and, and to train your pattern recognition, whether something is good, a good company or a good constellation 
of company idea plus people um, or not. And me, uh, I, having the operational background as, as a marketeer has helped to at least judge a certain type of companies, especially in the B2C space, to, to basically evaluate whether they are uh, something that has potential and that's a good company or well-run company or not. Yeah? Um, so it has shaped my very specific pattern recognition or informed it in a very meaningful way, which I guess wouldn't have been possible without this basis. But obviously, there's other people that have different type of pattern recognition. So there's people that just look very analytically at the numbers and at the idea without looking, you know, at the operational experience that that's that's used to to drive it forward. So there, that probably wouldn't have been so relevant. Yeah, or others just look at the people involved. So it's more a psychological exercise than a um, than than very much a, a competence-driven exercise. So I think that there's not this one best way, but for me, it has worked really, really well. And I think also if you are managing director of a company, you're essentially also a coach, or you're supposed to be a leader and a coach for people. And and me personally, it has always helped to be a better coach or a better mentor for people. If I'm able to contribute not only on the kind of fluffy uh, and, and abstract side of things, but also help them on something really concrete, uh, because I know or I knew at least <laughs> how to do very specific kind of things within Google or Facebook or whatever. So, so that has helped me. Uh, so for me, that has worked well. Uh, to have the spaces, but I think it's also very much uh, uh, an individual decision. But I think you have to make up your mind whether you think it will it will help you um, um, and and it, it fits your kind of personality. For me, it did. Yeah, up till until today. Yeah, so I'm, um, um, it has something that has proven to be very valuable um, uh, because you're not only helping on the abstract kind of kind of things and more general kind of things, but you also have something that you can contribute on a more concrete basis. And I find that useful for, for me uh, as, as, as a yeah, leader or, or as a managing director. Yeah. Very interesting. Rainer, would you agree on that? Or do you have uh, like something to add? Yeah, I, th I, think, I think first of all, I believe it's interesting to look at both, at, at, at both paths that somebody can take, right? I mean, you can decide where do you want to end up? Do you want to end up in higher management, in a more generalist focused uh, managing role? Or do you want to become... Um, a specialist and purely a specialist. And I think you can be a very well-paid, great, deeply skilled specialist without all the management stuff and fluff, etc. That is possible. That is, that is something that I believe going forward will, will potentially still work. The other way around was always difficult and it's getting increasingly difficult to, to be to be a generalist manager, to be really like higher in an organization without understanding something in more detail is something that is, 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 is losing uh, more and more value. And I think that, I mean, you, you mentioned uh, some examples and, 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 and it totally makes sense for, for a number of reasons. It makes sense because um, you're better, as, as Flo just said, in, in coaching the people and understanding what they are talking about. Um, it, it also makes sense because you just bring more to the table. And if you want to do analytics about a certain area, it, you have to understand them. I mean, you can, it, your, your, your um, university might have taught you how to run certain analytics, but if you don't really know what, what's behind it and you don't have, you won't create the same number of qualitative, qualitative highly ideas 
etc and 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 you might have the the methods on an abstract level but but you're not really able to to put some, some to put some meat to the bone so uh yeah i totally agree to that i think a specialist path is going forward still open that is still something that people can do i'm not sure if i would recommend that um i personally wouldn't enjoy that super much but that's probably me uh, because I believe in, in, in a management role that has some specialized foundation, that is probably the biggest fun and probably also the steepest career that, that you can have over time. Very interesting. So, well, as Lou said, it depends a bit on a person or on the individual decision you want to make. But uh, you both also mentioned that it definitely has a, con for, your, for you personally, it has a contribu contributed to your business success due to your operational background and experiences. So um, you also mentioned, Rainer, that it becomes increasingly difficult um, by like just being or like focusing on generalist tasks and maybe not having a look into deeper into the specialist part. So to maybe open up another topic, when we are now, we are in our startup landscape here and when we are looking to our investments um, nowadays, what we are doing, we kind of see a bit of a change that our investments become a bit more deep tech or a bit more niche, for example, or that the competitive as a competition, like the market is more competitive. Does that could have anything to do with like having a, like overseeing a bit these specialist generalist roles? So I'll give it a first try because I haven't been around in this industry as long as Florian has been. And my impression is, uh, and, and I think that that's where I see some of the reasons why it has developed the way it has developed in the fact that uh, the tech startup industry is still relatively new. I believe to see that when, when a phenomenon is new and um, everything is fresh and you can just try out a little and the competition is probably still a little bit less, not saying it was easy, but still probably a little bit less. It is generalists who are the best in just going there, trying out things and with their generalist knowledge and mindset just conquering something for themselves. And you can just say, and, and forgive me the example, but they can just say, okay, let's do something crazy. Let's sell shoes online and build a big, big successful business based on that. And then over time, uh, this industry just becomes more and more mature and it just gets harder and harder. And you have to more and more find your, your niche and, and to be successful. And that's where um, being specialized and doing something better than everybody else just gets harder. And, and you just have to come in with much deeper skill sets and find the business on one hand, find the business models with which you can still differentiate yourself and, and achieve really incredible growth. And on the other hand, um, also come in just just with a deeper skill set per se. Flo, does that make sense for you? Yeah, I think uh, no, I, I can I can follow that, and uh, uh, I, I, what what we definitely see, and I think that's you know as the evolution of the industry becomes more and more mature, there's more people that have you know at least like general digital knowledge, and it, the knowledge becomes more explicit. You know, I always use the 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 concept of implicit versus explicit knowledge. I think when I started in this industry in 1999, nobody had a clue. Yeah, so the fastest learners would would be able to win in certain business models. And, and I think that has fundamentally changed. I mean, a lot more people have a basic digital skill set, especially of the younger generation. I think that that's, that's per se. So you need to have deeper knowledge in certain areas. 
in order to differentiate. I think that's that's a very clear thing and that mirrors 100% what, what you're saying, Rainer. Um, and and on the other hand, it's like the evolution of business models that you see, yeah, because all the easy business models, I mean, it's not that e-commerce models aren't easy. Yeah? I mean, it's a lot of detail involved. The margins are not that big, but but I, I, I think the prior knowledge that you need to start an e-commerce company per se are not huge. If you want to do a developer tool in a certain area or something, I don't know, that orchestrates different cloud infrastructures, you need a lot more prior knowledge to even think about uh, starting a company and thinking about um, uh, what might be a valid kind of proposition in that space. Yeah, that requires a lot more knowledge before. Um, and I think it's, it's it's perfectly natural that as an industry matures, um, you need more specialized skill sets and deeper skill sets to even get going and don't acquire that on the way. Yeah, and I think that has been different 15 years ago where you would start just as a fast learner and being open and then you build the deep knowledge obviously uh, uh, along the way yeah because i mean i guess if you look at the logistics knowledge that a company like about you or, or zalando has to build that's obviously very deep knowledge or the it knowledge that you need to build uh, to 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 operate a company like that but that's something that we're able to acquire along the way and if you look at for example the managements of those companies they were all quite young uh, and inexperienced when they started and now they're probably among the best in their field but they grew that way um, uh, with the company um, and, and I think that is something that you probably couldn't do anymore in a matured industry as we have it today we could we could actually even quote Jack Ma here because he he's always saying this uh, um, don't be the best be the first and it was probably in the past easier to be the first and that just got harder because a lot of stuff was done in this industry and now you have to be the best uh, so you need functional knowledge Or if you want to be the first, then you have to go into business models that, again, require deeper functional knowledge. So this being just the first who sells something in the Internet, <laughs> that that's just not enough anymore. Yeah, actually, very interesting. And I mean, totally makes sense when you say the uh, businesses became more mature, even though when you start a company, you need to be more mature in terms of deeper knowledge. Um, I would like to highlight one fact you, you mentioned, Flo. You mentioned the change of products we like maybe nowadays invest in and also that um, more, nowadays have more like finding the solutions for new businesses. And um, we probably can talk for examples for like deep tech or B2B solutions, but came a more and more as a, I mean, maybe not trend, but more and more part of our portfolio and investment decisions. So um, by having this in mind, um, there are still very successful examples. And I have to mention that today because we have, for example, Gorillas as a Berlin-based food delivery startup, a unicorn, sta uh, unicorn actually started since March. You should, would you see these business models more as an exception or how does it fit into our general trend or statements we did before? Um, uh, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't call it an exception, but it's, it's, I, I, but I think what, what we, we think that way and, and we are not the only ones. I think also other investors, I guess, in Europe see at least a trend towards more B2B models coming out of Europe Yeah, because we have smaller um, uh, B2C markets, yeah, because obviously we're European Union, but it's it's not comparable to the large US 
home market. Yeah, if if you want to start Airbnb, um, uh, you have a huge home market in the U.S. right away. Um, and and or or if you if you start a fintech, you have a huge home market right away. I mean, it's not that simple because if you look at the state regulations in the U.S., it's it's also sometimes more difficult than than you would think. I mean, it's not different countries, but different states sometimes also have, have problems. But it's definitely a more homogeneous market and easier to enter market than several countries in the European Union. And, and that obviously favors um, B2C business models. Yeah, Not to say that there's not good reason why there's still B2C business models like a trade republic or also if you look in the health space yeah, uh, um, uh, where you have a lot of regulation involved, that's also not EU-wide, yeah, but it, on, the, on the health side, it's often a very different game depending on which country you are in the EU. And that obviously favors uh, local solutions or regional solutions uh, or uh, suppliers um, also in the B2C side. But I think on general, in, in general, you see a trend towards more B2B models that are internationalizable right away. Um, and also things like, for example, the, the whole trend towards um, digitalization of industry. Yeah? Uh, so at the intersection of digital and, and industrial applications, a lot of things happen. And that's where Europe, being in Europe, is actually an advantage yeah, for digital companies because the custom base uh, with you know, the industrial base here in Germany, in Italy, in France, in Eastern Europe – is, is an advantage versus being in the US. Yeah. And that's why we get, that's why we suppose, or that's why we assume that probably we'll see more and more companies for, in the B2B space that will be proven, uh, that will prove to be the winners coming out of Europe versus uh, companies in the B2C space. Yeah. So, uh, but obviously there will still be things like Gorillas or Trade Republic or successful health uh, startups um, that, that we will see. Yeah. But uh, but I think on average, I would not be surprised if if that shifts towards B2B companies. Yeah. That again, as you said, uh, uh, probably require deeper knowledge upfront to to um, to found them and to to develop them. Yeah. Yeah, that also fits actually if we have a look on our portfolio at the moment, like from which industries they are and what uh, new investments we do at the moment. Mm -hmm. So we still, of course, also invest in uh, certain B2C companies who are successful, as you mentioned, Trade Republic. But also, of course, we focus a lot on deep, deep tech or like B2B solutions. Mm -hmm. Rainer, do you have anything to add here? Well, well, one thing you can, of course, uh, look at the, the, the profile of the uh, CEO and co-founder Kagan Sümer and what his background is, because I don't think that he came in purely as a generalist. I don't know to which degree you can, in, in the end, say this had an impact on the success of the company. But according to his LinkedIn, um, he has a technical background uh, in robotics and automation engineering, um, and that might have helped. Uh, but it's hard to say. Other than that, uh, <laughs> you know that Flo and I were talking about that. I, I love gorillas. I, I, it, it hurts me a little bit to discuss more about that. So maybe I can. Maybe 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 we can move on to the next question. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you very much. Yeah, I also saw that uh, that Kagan has um, a technical background, what fits, to, to be honest, in our discussion here, um, and it brings me to another interesting fact. According to well statistics, on average, about 70% of tech giants worldwide are led and founded by engineers. Let's take the most classical example, Mark Zuckerberg from Facebook. And in Germany, founders from these fields were heavily underrepresented for, for, like, for times now. The majority of founders were more classical economists. 
And now, as we discussed too, the trend is reversal. It seems to be that we see now more and more people from other departments, operations, founding companies and also successfully. What do you think about um, this? Are founders increasingly specialized too? And does it fit also again in our conversation we had previously before? My, my feeling is yes, that's, that's definitely the case. Um, and it's also that, I mean, we have excellent technical universities here in, in Germany. Yeah, I mean, whether it's in Aachen or in Munich or Karlsruhe. Uh, so there, there's a lot of very good talent going to these schools. And um, there are better entrepreneurship programs there. I think what's what's definitely sticking out is like the CDTM program in, in Munich, uh, also in conjunction with the Unternehmertum initiative there. Um, RWTH is, is doing a lot um, to, to foster this. And there's also more and more people coming from these universities and backgrounds being examples for, you know, the next generation of founders coming out of these schools. So I think there's de definitely a trend towards more engineering talent going also from Germany going into um, uh, the, or going down the route of founding uh, companies or working for startups. Um, and, and that's definitely uh, that's definitely good because I guess uh, that's where a lot of the you know best um, or at least like intellectually brightest uh, young people we have in Germany go to. And uh, obviously that's great if we can tap into that um, into that base of, of talent. You know? and, uh, and that that's what, what you can definitely see. Um, uh, what, what's happening, and I think that's a, that's a process that's accelerating with more and more successful companies that you see out of those uh, from people founding uh, found, that were founded by people from from those backgrounds. I mean, Zelonis is like the the most recent example. You know, the, I think they were all in Munich, uh, going to the technical technical university there, um, and that's obviously great if you see companies like that because that will inspire more people to do that. Is there anything to add from you, Rainer? If I take one step back, if here at Project A, we basically see three fields where we believe or how we cluster the different areas where uh, a company and a founder uh, needs to be really great at. And that is, uh, the, that is the whole cluster of tech, including product management, and you can even include design, et cetera, there. Uh, then the second cluster, which is everything around commercial or growth. And then the third one, which is people. Uh, like HR, talent acquisition, et cetera, understanding how to build an organization, et cetera. And then you can debate if, if data is like a fourth one or if it is something that goes across the other three, I would put it across. And then, of course, there is this bit of general management that is um, like having your finances under control, um, uh, relations to investors, et cetera. But if I take these three, first three, I think we actually, in our view, we... We, we probably do the mistake of putting some of that and, and put it together with this generalist view because a lot of founders say uh, looking after people is something that, that, that I will just like do myself as a generalist. While it is actually an expertise area and you can just like do that very good and maybe some generalist founders are very good in doing that. And even the commercial, and, and I think what you, what you said in the beginning, looking at the Valley and the, the high tech focus that they have there and, and how probably here it was probably, it had, it had the focus a little bit else there, that, that might actually come from a stronger commercial focus here and the tech part came on top. And in the Valley, probably it was to some degree the other way around. I think we see that even in the European Union, if I look to our 
uh, neighbor Poland. I have personally a strong uh, relation to Poland. I, I believe to see there are a lot of startups that are very strong on the tech side and then they need to add the commercial side might also be the other way around. And I think sometimes when we talk about general, a generalist, that might already include what we see in commercial and and, and very often and, and for sure the whole people uh, people skills uh, cluster. But in the end, it's, it's, it's three things and you need to cover them all to be successful and then you have to com, uh, complete what you don't bring on board initially. Okay, so in order to uh, set up like uh, founding our management team, these three expertises should be ideally covered. And as a talent, um, it would make sense maybe to focus on, on one of these three ex ex aspects, as you said, tech, growth or people um, and get more deeper knowledge in one of that. Um, did I summarize that correctly, Saina? From my side, definitely, yes. You need to cover these three plus plus what comes on top, but but definitely you, you will have to, to solve these. And if as a founder, as a generalist, you, you understand at least one of these three areas in more depth, uh, that will help you. Okay, well, fantastic. Thank you very much. Um, to summarize here, experiences in certain areas such as tech marketing can help to become a generalist manager or leader. It's a personal decision at the end. It also needs, of course, you need to decide what, what you like to do and what your interests are. So um, as Flo mentioned, of course, we have a lot of more um, technical um, founders nowadays, but it doesn't mean that uh, an engineering probably path is always so like it fits for everybody. But um, now maybe to come a bit like to uh, to talking to the talents and to give them some advices. What does it mean for young people? What would you advise them if you were in their situation? As I have children, I'm also thinking about that quite quite intensively. What would I advise them? Yeah, um, I think the worst advice is follow your passion. Yeah, that's that's bullshit. <laughs> so uh, uh, because I mean that's and I think Scott Galloway there's a great video from Scott Galloway who basically says the only people who say follow your, pas your passion have either inherited money or, or have become rich already that's that's the people who basically say follow your passion yeah? uh, and, and uh, because I mean it, sometimes it can be okay to follow your passion Yeah, that, I'm, not, I'm not saying that, but I think you have to understand the consequences of doing that. Yeah, and I think a lot of people that so if if you are following your passion as an as a programmer, that can obviously be a very nice thing to do. Yeah, because if you are the most passionate programmer on the planet, that's obviously a very valuable skill set. So then, following your passion is completely okay. Yeah. But um, I think you, you see that a lot of people basically, I don't know, want to become actors or artists or whatever. It's also okay to follow your passion. Yeah? You just have to understand that the likelihood of being able to make a decent living by, by, by doing this are not very high. Yeah? You can still do that. You just have to understand the consequences. And, a lot, I, I, and I think a lot of people that follow their passion don't fully get what the consequences are. Yeah, because they have a very romantic picture of what their passion is um, and, and how their passion will make their living. And, and in very many areas, following your passion does not lead <laughs> to a sustainable income to make, make a decent living. And that's just the reality. Yeah, that's not I know it's not very romantic, but that's simply true. Yeah. So um, and uh, that doesn't mean that you cannot be the exception. I mean, there's also obviously people that become Lionel Messi as a soccer pro, yeah? so, but the chances of becoming Lionel Messi are just very, very, very small. But there's still people that 
do that. Yeah. So what what I would basically do is I think the most the most future proof skill set that I think you can have is actually being able to deal with uh, like programming or coding as a skill. I think that's that's without um, uh, without a doubt. So if you have a certain proximity to that topic and if you like it, that is what I would advise people to do. Yeah, because I think the future. Uh, will require a lot more people doing engineering. I think AI replacing those people is far, far away. Yeah, So it's actually quite a creative job if you know what you're doing. <laughs> um, so it's not, it's not as uncreative and boring as a lot of people think. It can be incredibly creative. Um, and I think if you are close to that uh, or, or feel a certain interest for that, I think is that what I would develop, yeah? Another really interesting topic is or area is data. You need people that help to interpret and analyze data. Yeah? Because everybody wants to be data-driven. <laughs> data is the new oil and all that bullshit. Yeah? But there's very few people that help you to structure data, analyze data, and make sense of it to really you know, make organizations more data-driven. And that is definitely a skill set that's extremely valuable. So if you if you sense that you can make sense of numbers, I mean, there's people that have a certain relation to numbers, they speak to them, they can make sense of it, and they can explain or generate insight out of it. And people that feel this, that they have this skill, should develop it. Because I think that's definitely something that's extremely valuable, yeah? uh, whether you call it a data scientist or a data engineer or business analyst, whatever, it doesn't really matter. It all leads to the same kind of thing making sense of numbers and helping organizations to be more data-driven. Um, another great skill set is sales. Yeah? Being sales-oriented um, helps you wherever, whether it comes to recruiting or whether it comes to selling things. Um, so I think that's also extremely future-proof um, um, in, in doing that. And I think those would be just like three areas that uh, where I would recommend. Product management is definitely also something that's great. Yeah. If you have if you have an ability to turn you know product needs or customer needs into actual products and applications, that's a great skill set. I think that's also future proof. Um, I think products that are very elegant and easy to use that 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 will not go away. That's not automizable. So if you feel that that you have the skill set, but 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 as I just said, the, the key thing is how can you find out whether you have a certain skill set? Yeah. Um, and I think I would spend a lot of time not following your passion, <laughs> but trying to find out and expose yourselves to situations, whether it's in internships or student jobs or whatever, where you are actually exposed to what I just said, you know, whether pro it's programming or coding, whether it's product management, whether it's BI, data-related stuff, whether it's sales, whether it's marketing, and, and, and find out whether you have a certain proximity to these topics. That doesn't mean passion. Because I think if you're success, successful at something, you'll also develop passion for it. Yeah, um, I mean, just uh, the best example I think that Scott Galloway uses is tax lawyers. Nobody is responsible is, is like passionate about tax law. But if you're a really good tax lawyer, yeah, you you you'll definitely develop. I wouldn't say a passion for it, but let's see at least an honest interest for it. Yeah, because you you basically see that you're just and the best tax lawyers. Uh, make shitloads of money. It's not all about money. Yeah, I, I fully get it. 
But I think everybody wants to be rewarded, wants to be successful in what they do. Um, and, and, and I think finding out in where you have the chance to be quite good in your field, that is, I think, the, coo- the, 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 the true key um, to something that you know, also makes you a happier person in the end. No, but very interesting, like figuring out where your strengths are and like somehow turn it into your passion, into your passion uh, is kind of a very nice and uh, interesting fact, I would say. Rainer, what would you advise them? Yeah, so I mean, the base for giving advice is that you have some idea about how the future looks usually, right? And I would say, and, and this is something that we, that we say all the time here also at Project A to all our staff and everything we do is the one and only thing that you know about the future is The future is different. The future is different than things are today. And actually, we know very little about how it will be. I mean, we see some trends and and Flo mentioned some very good and important ones. And and you can take that as some or for some orientation. But essentially, we don't know too much about the future. And I would advise everybody during his or her career to always stay highly flexible about what to do, to stay agile and to actually make a way which is open for opportunities and not like stick to one very early developed idea until the end and and go too crazy about it, but to really like be open to things that that just cross your way and and, and to make the the best out of it and to also change change direction when it it makes sense. Uh, And the second thing is, and that might sound as if it contradicts it, but it doesn't, is to also stick around to some of the things you do for a while that makes what you do really worthy. I think we are at times where actually everybody tries to, I mean, to follow your passion, you have to first know what your passion is. And I believe to see a lot of panic about for people not to follow their passion, but to find out what their passion actually is. And there are all these opportunities out there and you change all the time and you try to to, to find the one thing that really, you know, like, is, is, is fully yours. But but what happens a lot is that you don't stay at one job or one role in one field long enough to actually develop the passion because the passion is, as Flo just said, something that you develop over time because you get good at something. And when you're good at something, it suddenly starts to actually be fun sometimes um, and becoming a passion. And only when you work on something for 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 some time, what you do there starts to matter. It starts to make a difference and it's a reference and you start to be later to actually to put it onto your CV or your LinkedIn profile and people will say, ah, this person has built up marketing at this startup for two or three years and not, oh, this person has been there for a gig of two months and then moved on and then did this and this and this and this, but actually never has um, like gotten to any relevance at, at a certain company. So be open for change because it's, it will be necessary, but at the same time, stick around long enough so that what you did has relevance. Uh, that's my advice. Awesome. Thank you very much. So be open and agile and figure out opportunities. And secondly, well, stick on a topic and try it out and also somehow turn it to into your passion as, as Flo said uh, also like it's something what you would advise advise them to summarize it a little bit we are coming to the end now um first of all Rainer Flo thank you so much for sharing your experience and your knowledge with us it was incredibly insightful 
Um, is there anything left from your side? Anything you want to mention to the listeners? Probably, I think, what, what I at least experienced over the last couple of years, I think entering the startup space as, as a young person is generally, I would say, a good idea. I mean, obviously, you can make uh, bad experiences sooner or later. That, that always happens in every industry. But I, I would say, in general, um, the startup industry is where young people have the chance to get into, you know, positions with a lot of impact and, and responsibility a lot sooner than in, in any other field. So I think that that's great. Uh, you don't have to become a founder. I mean, if you if you feel you you think that, that that's that's great, but not everybody has like the personality and, and, and the motivation to do that. And that's perfectly fine. But I think in general, the, the field is extre extremely rewarding in terms of uh, Uh, learning experience uh, and in terms of how how quickly you can get into responsibility um, um, and um, it, it's quite satisfying for uh, you know people to work in and uh, most of the people you meet there I think uh, are quite happy and that's probably not the, the case if you talk to employees overall so uh, just a recommendation to take a careful look uh, I think it offers great development chances and if project A is a choice for you we would definitely also like your application as well Yeah. Uh, the only thing I would like to add is one topic that, or one thing that we didn't talk enough about is that you, Andrea, yourself are probably one of the best examples for everything we have discussed here. You, you were a founder yourself. You, you did marketing before, and now you lead our talent acquisition team. Uh, you made a great career here at Project A. Uh, you are moving more and more upwards um, and make a good career here and, and become turn more and more into a general manager. And, uh, and you're a very good example yourself. Everybody who's listening to that, check out her LinkedIn profile. Don't ever get the idea of trying to hire her away from us because you'll just have no chance to do so. Um, <laughs> we should probably do an, an episode about that, uh, about, about you and your, your path here. In, in um, but yeah, you're yourself a very good example. And I think if, if that came across um, and, and, and we, we made that clear that this is a good way to go, then I think... Um, we achieved something um well thanks a lot if you are also interested in a career with us um now it's a great time to do that there are many career opportunities within our portfolio companies consists from early or later stage companies of various industries such as as we know digital health e-commerce fintech Flo mentioned to be public uh, one of our um, unicorn startups at the moment so please approach us we are on linkedin you'll find us on our career page or via our Email address jobs at project minus a.com. And yeah, reach out to us whenever you can. We are happy to hear from you. And generally speaking, um, if you like this episode, please like and subscribe the channel because there are more podcasts out that might be interesting for you. So thanks a lot, Flo. Thanks a lot, Rainer. It was a pleasure uh, yeah, to, to talk with you today and yeah, to get your insights. We hope you enjoyed our podcast. If you did, How about you subscribe on Spotify and or iTunes and give us a rating.